Good morning, good afternoon or good evening wherever you are in the world. I'm Damien Barr and I'm welcoming you to another salon exclusive where you get to be the very first to hear about the upcoming books we are most excited about. Today we hear again from one of our favourite authors, the very lovely Rachel Joyce. This is a reading from her new book, Miss Benson's Beetle. You might know Rachel as the author of The Unlikely Pilgrimage of Harold Fry. Miss Benson's Beetle is an uplifting, irresistible novel about two very different women on a life-changing expedition where they've got to risk everything, break all the rules and discover their very best selves together. Let's have a listen. Hello, I'm Rachel Joyce and I'm thrilled to bring you this reading exclusively for listeners of Damien Barr's literary salon from my new book, Miss Benson's Beetle. Miss Benson's Beetle is about two women, Marjorie Benson and Enid Pretty, and they leave 1950s Britain and rationing behind to travel to the other side of the world in search of a beetle, a golden beetle, that's not yet been found. The only problem is that not only have they never left home before or been on an expedition before, but they are completely ill-matched. Anyway, together they travel to the other side of the world to an island called New Caledonia, and that is actually a real island. I knew that this time I wanted to write a book about women and female friendship. But I didn't simply want to write an emotional study of a friendship, so I decided to send my two women on the most extraordinary and spectacular adventure. I did think at first that I would send them somewhere in Europe, you know, somewhere I knew, and then I just thought, hang on a minute, where is the adventure for me or for the reader or, or for my women? So as well as a lot of research about New Caledonia and Beatles, I read all the classic male adventure stories, you know, Robinson Crusoe and Rogue Male, you know, everything. And then I just began to think, so how can I use this genre so that I can give my women the same experience? So the piece I'm going to read to you now is actually from the middle of the book. It's where Marjorie and Enid have finally got to New Caledonia. I hope that's not a spoiler. And this is their first night out in the open. For Enid, surprise, surprise, it's been remarkably easy. She and her adopted stray dog, Mr Rawlings, have taken to it like a duck to water. But Marjorie realises she's completely out of her depth. And now she has to try and get in a hammock. So imagine lots of background whooping and cawing and rustling. And here we are in a tropical rainforest at night. How does a woman get into a hammock when she's not got into a hammock before? Enid asked if she needed help, but Marjorie still peeked after the business with the tent and also her confession that she had never been on an expedition before insisted she could manage. Enid seemed to mount her hammock with no difficulty whatsoever. One moment she was on the ground, the next she was in a hammock. She even had Mr Rawlings with her, his ears glowing in the dark. Sleep well, Marge. Marjorie's hammock was less amenable. She tried one leg first. It went swinging off with her a little bit on it, but mostly not. She tried taking it by surprise, mounting suddenly. 
The hammock accepted her weight, then performed a full cartwheel and tossed her out the other side, dumping her in a load of spikes. In the end, she gave a leap and pitched herself. She landed on her front, her mouth mashed against the canvas, rocking violently, but still she had done it. Technically, she was in a hammock. No one could argue with that, though she could barely move without the risk of depositing herself back on the ground. It took a lot of effort to roll herself the right way up. She pulled the mosquito net around her. But sleep? How could she possibly do that? Who in their right mind would even close their eyes? The bungalow was one thing, but at least there had been the pretense of a roof and some walls. This was terrifying. Her senses felt sharpened like pencils. Her torch was about as much use as a paddle boat in the ocean. She heard whistles and screams from creatures she'd never even had nightmares about, let alone seen. Rough cawing, lunatic whooping, once a clang. When a pale shadow took shape, she lay taut as a trap, her eyes so wide they could have popped, until it gave a snort and became a pig. More whistling, more twitching, another animal that sounded as if it was being eaten alive. She thought of Enid, the gun, then something landed on her face. Possibly it meant no harm. Possibly it mistook her for something friendly or at least inanimate. But Marjorie did not feel friendly and neither did she feel inanimate. Her first instinct was to bat it, unwise. It got meshed in her net, flapping and squeaking, a bat. She had batted a bat. And now Marjorie was panicking and the bat was panicking and there was something in her mouth, but it was not a bat, it was her net. And even though the bat had flown free, she was swinging wildly up, down, up, down, like an awful ride at the fair, while a hundred mosquitoes zoomed in to bite her. The dawn chorus came miles before dawn. It was actually the middle of the night. Nevertheless, every bird in New Caledonia woke early and decided to sing about it. Then the cicadas joined in, lesser chirruping than heavy marching. Gradually, silver light seeped into the dark and shapes came to life. A banana tree, a rock. The birds went back to sleep. The cicadas settled down. She told herself that if anything was going to eat her, it would surely have started by now and dared to close her eyes. She managed 30 minutes. Then she woke again. Rain was falling all over her. It had been the most awful night of her life. The gap between making a plan and actually doing it was unbridgeable. Nothing Professor Smith had taught her had prepared her for this. Nothing she'd read had prepared her either. She was covered in insect bites. They'd even got inside her ears. She was soaking wet, possibly rotting, and she felt wrung out from the lack of sleep. Worse, her body had seized up. The only way to get out of the hammock would be by extending herself in segments like a foot rule. She had no idea how she would walk another step. Already she knew she was in something she was not made for. She thought of the British wives at the consulate party listing everything they missed from home. Branston pickle, grey drizzle, perfect English grass. They were right. Faced with a rainforest, she felt desolate. Back at home she had a flat with a bed in it, clean sheets and a nice bedside lamp. She missed street lights, windows, curtains, roads with proper names. Rationing was better than this. And even though her aunts had taught her it was wrong to cry, even though she hadn't done so at her mother's funeral, a million tiny dots seemed to prickle her nose, 
culminating in a salty rush as tears filled her eyes. She hadn't a clue why she was lying in a hammock on the other side of the world, already half-crippled, looking for a beetle that had never been found. She could die out here, under these alien stars, and no one would know. She thought of her father, her mother, her brothers. She thought of the professor, Barbara, and her aunts. And the more she thought about the people she'd lost, the more she wanted them back. Her crying wasn't about missing home anymore. It wasn't about Branston Pickle or green grass and roads with proper names. It was something else. It had been with her ever since her father had walked out of his French windows and left her behind. You might travel to the other side of the world, but in the end it made no difference. Whatever devastating unhappiness was inside you would come too. Marjorie lay in her horrible hammock and she sobbed. Oh, poor Marjorie. I think we've all had a day like that. That was Rachel Joyce reading exclusively for you, Salonistas. Miss Benson's Beetle is published by Doubleday. Make sure to get a copy from your favourite local independent bookshop and find out if Marjorie ever finds her golden beetle. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to our newsletter on our website and join us again soon.